الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Today, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to go on to our fourth lesson in the introduction to Arabic grammar. We've taken three stages, three phases that the Arabic grammar went through. The first one we spoke about is the foundations. The bricks were being placed for grammar. And we spoke about that in details. And the second stage or the second phase in which the Arabic grammar went through, the formation, the development, was Dawrun Numu. And we said that stage was, is now that the Arabic grammar was being nurtured. The Arabic grammar was being nurtured, now it's growing. The reason why we called it Dawrun Numu is because the scholars of Kufa came in now. They came in after a hundred years. They now came in in the second stage. Then we spoke about, last lesson, Dawru Al-Nadju wal Kamal where the Arabic language became complete and the bricks were placed and it was nurtured and the Basriyin and the Kufiyin helped each other and they, we mentioned last lesson that they met in Baghdad both madhabs what happened? they were not now in Basra and in Kufa only but they came to the capital which was where? Baghdad we mentioned that but last lesson I made a mistake. Once I watched the video, I saw that I did a mistake. What I said was, or what I should have said was, the third stage, which was Dawru Al-Nadju Al-Kamal, it started from Abu Uthman Al-Mazili, who was a Basri, and from the Kufa. Ya'qub ibn Sikit. It started from them. Are we all together, brothers? What I said was, it started from Abu Uthman al-Mazini and it finished to Ibn Sikit, which was wrong. What I had meant to say was, it started from Abu Uthman al-Mazini, who was a Basri, and also it started from the, for, for the people of Kufa, it started from who? Ya'qub ibn Sikit. The author of the kitab, Islahul Mantiq. And it went on to, until it came to, Al-Mubarrid from the Basriyin, and Sa'lab from the Kufiyin. Does that make sense? So it ended with who? Al-Mubarrid and who? Sa'lab. Mubarrid from Basra, and Sa'lab is from Kufa. Does that make sense? That was the mistake I made, which I wanted to point out now. Um... So we finished that stage, the third stage, which was Dawru Nadji wal Kamal. We're now going to go into Dawru Tarjih. This stage 
the Basriyin, they did the best. Scholars of Basra, they exerted all of their efforts. And the scholars of Kufa, they exerted, they exerted all of their efforts. And they worked hard. Each party brought the best that they could. But remember, there always has to be a judge that judges between both parties. So they came out scholars from Baghdad who saw both parties and they strengthened one over the other. So they would say that the Basirin are right here and the Kufiin are right here. This stage started now. Favoring one madhab, one school from the other school. Dawru Tarjih. Who's right? And why are they right? This was a Al-Madhab al-Baghdadi who started now. The Baghdadi Madhab is what started. They were strengthening the Kufiin from the Basriyin and the Basriyin from the Kufiin. Here I wrote, بَعْدَ أَنْ تَمَّ الدَّوْرُ الثَّالِثِ After we completed the third stage. دَوْرُ النَّضْجُ وَالْكَمَالِ عَلَى يَدِ الْفَرِيقَيْنِ فِي بَغْدَادِ And it finished on the hands of what? Two parties. Who were the two parties? The Basirin and the Kufiyin in Baghdad. وَانْتَهَ الْإِجْتِهَادُ فِيهِ عَلَى يَدِ الْإِمَامَيْنِ And the دَوْرُ النَّضْجُ Last lesson. Where did it finish? Where did it complete? On the hands of two great imams, Al Mubarrid and who? Thalab. And I mentioned last lesson that Al Mubarrid and Thalab they used to have a lot of debates and a lot of argumentations. I mentioned this right until it caused enmity towards one another. And Al Mubarrid he died with rage and anger towards Thalab. Are we all together? So the conflict between the scholars of Basra. And the scholars of Kufa, it went even more higher up in the air. But the beauty at this stage was, this madhab, because everyone was in Baghdad now, people lived in Baghdad, another school was created that was able to strengthen one over the other. This is what I said. هَبَّ فَرِيقٌ مِنْ عُلَمَاءِ بَغْدَادِ لِلْمُوَازَنَةِ وَالتَّرْجِيحِ بَيْنَ الْمَذْهَبَيْنِ الْبَصْرِي وَالْكُوفِي فَأَخَذُوا يَضَعُوا فَأَخَذُوا يَضَعُوا الْمَذْهَبَيْنِ عَلَى بِصَاطِ الْبَحْثِ وَالنَّقْدِ What they did was, a group of scholars, they did what is known as muazana. They scaled. What did they scale? They scaled and they weighed the statements of the Basriyin and they also scaled and they weighed the statement of the Kufiyin. البصري والكوفي فأخذوا يضعوا المذهبين على بساط البحث والنقد. They scrutinized both of them. They researched their arguments even more. Are we all together, brothers? Who's right and who's wrong? ولا يخفى عليك أن العلماء في بغداد في ذلك الوقت اختلفت مشاربهم وتباينت مسالكهم. لكن the scholars of Baghdad within themselves they were not all the same in weighing and scaling Madhab al-Basriyin al-Khufiyin. Does that make sense, brothers? The scholars of Basra and the scholars of Kufa, what they have said, 
and the argumentations and the proofs that they brought forward, the people of Baghdad, they were not equal in the way that they weighed it and the way that they scaled it and the way that they criticized and critiqued it. They were not the same. And so they broke into three parties. The scholars of Basra. The first ones are a group of scholars from Baghdad but they took from the scholars of Basra and in their heart was fanaticism towards the scholars of Basra they, have, they had Asabiyyah they were fanatic towards the scholars of Basra so even when they strengthened it they were still inclined to pushing the Basri madhab and I'm, these are the scholars I'm going to mention inshallah ta'ala and then the second group is Those who took from the Kufiyin And they had They were fanatic To what? To the Kufiyin Because they took from them And so that moved into their hearts And so they were strengthening And they were aiding And they were pushing who? The Kufiyin Even in their arguments The third group is the third group is those who heard from both parties. They took knowledge from the Basriyin and they took knowledge from the Kufiyin and they were not fanatic to anyone. They were very clear in their approach and they looked at it unbiased. Here, inshallah, we're going to look at these Imams now. We're going to look at these Imams. Six that took from the Basriyin and they were fanatic towards the Basriyin and they were too much uh, towards the Basriyin and the second one is those who took from the Kufiyin and they were slightly fanatic towards the Kufiyin and I'm going to mention Ibn Al-Ambari and Ibn Khalawi and the third party was those who were not like that they approached this And uh, the criticism and the, rec- and the observation of the two madhabs on an unbiased approach. And they are Ibn Qutaybah, Ibn Kaysan, Al Akhfash al Sagheer. And I'm going to mention each and every one of them, inshallah ta'ala. Does that make sense? That's what we're going to be talking about in the first part, first part of our class, inshallah ta'ala. The second part. The second part, we're going to be looking at Al Khilafu Bain al Basriyin wa al Kufiyin, Mansha'u wa Atharu. We're going to look at the difference. We're going to look at the Khilaf between the Basriyin and the Kufiyin, the differences between the two. Two things I'm going to, three things I'm going to do here, inshallah ta'ala, in this point. First of all, and we're going to look at the Khilaf, where there are differences between the two. We're going to mention that. So the khilaf, the differences. Number two, mansha'uhu, what started it? What was the root cause for it? Mansha'uhu means what? The root cause that made the two madhabs have this conflict that was between them. And the third one is the effect that it had. The athar, the effect that came from it. First of all, what I need you to all know is 
First of all, I want you to know the Arabic qawaid, principles. Remember this, as long as you study grammar. I'lam know and nahu the Arabic grammar waqadayahu and whatever is related to Arabic grammar mabnahu inda kulli min al-fariqayni both parties whether it be the Basriyeen or whether it be the Kufiyeen both parties the principles they, that they've made in grammar the Basriyeen do they have principles? yes do the Kufiyeen have principles in Arabic grammar? yes both parties their principle is rooted from two things. It's rooted from where? Two things. Does this, does this make sense? The first thing is as-sama'. As-sama'. Sama' is, in English they call it anomaly. Anomaly is transmission of statements. What they heard from the Arab poets. And what the Arabs said. Both parties, their grammar, their principles came from number one, as what they heard from the Arabs. And we'll speak about that in more details, inshaAllah ta'ala. The second thing, the first one was anomaly, and the second one is al-qiyas. What does qiyas mean? Analogy. What does qiyas mean? What they had, they done analogy from it. Whatever they heard from the Arabs, what they said, what they did is they applied it to any other places as well. Based on what? Based on Qiyas. So this is similar to this, so it must take the same ruling. Are we all together? The Kufiyin and the Basriyin, both of them, their grammar is built upon As-Sama' and Al-Qiyas. That's something you have to know. Are we all together? Rather, the, all the grammar that we have today is built on those two. But how does the Basriyin accept the Sabah and what reasons and what conditions and what not is different than the what? Than the Kufiyin. This is where they differ. We're going to talk about that, inshallah ta'ala, in details. And how do they accept the Qiyas and how do they do the Qiyas? They also differ on. But what they don't differ on is that both parties, their grammar, the Qawaid, the Arabic grammar, the principles of the Arabic grammar is taken from these two. Does that make sense? We'll talk about that inshallah ta'ala. And the way that I'm going to talk about, is, talk, talk about that is The Basriyin, what was their way with these two? That's what I'm going to talk about. What approach, what method did the Basriyin take? And what route did they take in regards to the Sama' and the Qiyas? And then I'm going to do the same with the Maslakul Kufiyin wa Tijahum and the Kufiyin and their approach. Does that make sense? How was the Kufiyin in regards to the listening and the Shawahidul Arab and the Ash'arul Arab? How were they regarding it? And the Qiyas? The Kufiyin. I'm going to mention that inshallah ta'ala. Then I'm going to move on to the part that I said that we need to talk about, which is Mansha'ul Khilafi Bain al What was the root cause for the Khilaf to start? Why did they even differ in the first place? What was igniting these differences? What was igniting this conflict? I'm going to talk about that inshallah ta'ala. And last but not least, 
Atharul Khilaf. This differences, what effect did it bring about? What was the result? The nata'ij here means what? The results. What did it result to? I'm going to talk about that. And brothers, today's lesson is going to be one of the most important lessons you might have or you might study in this particular uh, series of the Arabic grammar. So you need to pay a lot of attention. You need to pay a what? A lot of attention, inshallah ta'ala. Let's go to the first one, which is Dawrut Tarjih. As I just mentioned, Dawrun Nafji wal Kamal, we already spoke about, which is the third stage, right? And the third phase. And that finished with who? That's Dawrun Nafji wal Kamal, the third phase, I'm at the third stage. Who did it finish with? It finished with Al Mubarrid, who was from where? Abu Abbas Al Mubarrid, where, where did he come from? Al Basra. And Sa'lab was from where? Kofa. These were the last two Imams of the two madhabs. Okay? They were the last Imams to do ijtihad, independent reasoning in grammar. That's it. And who did we say that Dawr al-Nafji wal-Kamal started with? From the Basriyin. Who did it start from? Huh? Abu Uthman al-Mazini. And the Kufiyin, who did it start from? Ya'qub ibn Ya'qub ibn Sikit, the author of the Kitab Islah al-Mantiq. Now we're going to go, inshallah ta'ala, Dawr al-Tarjih, inshallah ta'ala. The rage, as I mentioned, and the conflict between the Basirin and the Kufiyin grew even more now. It didn't become less. It became more and more and more. Especially after the debates that happened between Al-Mubarrid and who? Sa'arab. It caused a lot of issues. So, there was no way to see the Basirin go towards the Kufir and the Kufir to go to the Basirin. Because each one had so much in his heart towards the other. And, I, and the reason why they had this hate and rage towards each other is because the Basriyin believed they were the forefathers of grammar. And they wanted to be recognized for that. Because they started it. Whereas the Kufiyin, they believed that the approach of the Basriyin was very incorrect. And we'll speak about that when we talk about the difference of opinion. So what happened here is, the Baghdad, the scholars of Baghdad, because now both parties are in the capital. They're not in their own places. Dawrun Nafji wal Kamal, the third phase, both parties came together in Baghdad. So the students of Baghdad who are not from Basra, nor are they from Kufa. They're from Baghdad. They were born here, they were raised here, this is where they're from. They started to take knowledge. From who? From either the Basriyin or from the Kufiyin or from both. And that's the three parties that came about. Are we all together? The first one are those who took from the Basriyin and they, they the, the Basriyin, remember when they came from Basra, what did they have with them? That rage and, huh? The people of Baghdad, they took that from them. What did they do? They took that from them 
And so in their heart, they were still strengthening the view of the Basriyin. And there are these six that I'm going to mention, inshallah ta'ala. Are we all together? The first one is Az-Zajjaj. From the six who took from the Basriyin, and they had, as the grammarians called them, Al-Naz'atul Basriya. They had that Basri approach, as though they were from Basra. And they strengthened Al-Madhab Al-Basri. They strengthened that. And the most common one from amongst them are, the first one is Az-Zajjaj. Az-Zajjaj. It's written on the board for you. His name is Abu Ishaq. Abu Ishaq ibn Sirri. Abu Ishaq ibn Sirri. He was called Az-Zajjaj because he used to fix and he used to work on glasses. The judge in the Arabic language is a glass. He grew up in Baghdad. Okay? He grew up in Baghdad. He took knowledge from the majority of his knowledge he took from the people of Basra. Like they do say that he took from Ta'lab. Who did he take from? Ta'lab was who? Kufi. Okay? He did take from him. But in, in his approach, he was a Basriyun Mahd. He was pure Basri. He was a what? Pure Basri. And the reason why the scholars mentioned why he really, Zajaj, became a Basri and he carried the banner of the Basriyin is because of what Al-Mubarri did for him. Al-Mubarri, what he did for him was he made him Mu'addib, the discipliner of Al-Qasim ibn Ubaid. And Al-Qasim ibn Ubaid is the son of the, um, the wazir Al-Mu'tadid. Al-Mu'tadid was Ubaidullahi, his son Al-Qasim. The Mu'addib, the discipliner was as the judge. So he gave him a position of high rank. So the scholars, they said, this brought him close to the Basriyin and their madhab. And he has many great books. From his books is a kitab called Mukhtasarun Nahu. He also wrote a book called Ma Yansarifu wa Ma La Yansarif. He also wrote a, done a sharah on the abyat of Sibawihi. And he also khatta'a tha'alaban. What he did was, he corrected the mistakes that Sa'alab came with in his Kitab Al-Fasih. Kitab Al-Fasih is a great book, brothers. Al-Fasih, this book, if we get time, inshallah ta'ala, at the ending, when we talk about the, those powerful Arabic books that you should know about, this book Al-Fasih, I'll try to speak about it, inshallah ta'ala. What he did was, as a judge, he corrected that book. And he weakened some of the arguments and some of the wordings that Sa'lab used. Because he's a Basri. He's weaker in the Kufiyin. The second person is Ibn As-Sarraj. Second one is Ibn As-Sarraj. Abu Bakr Ibn Sirri. He grew up in Baghdad. He heard from Al-Mubarrid. He took from Al-Mubarrid. 
and he read on Al-Mubarrid a kitab called Kitab. What book is the book of Sibawai, right? So he read the book of Sibawai on, uh, on Mubarid. And Mubarid was very strong in the book of Sibawai. He read it on him and he became well known for the Arabic language as Sarraj. And he even took the place of Al Mubarid in Baghdad. Al Mubarid from the Immatul Basriyid, he took his place. And he wrote a kitab called Al-Usul and he even organized the Masailu Sibawai. Sibawai's book, the issues that he talks about, he organized it. And he explained the kitab Sibawai as well. And he died in the year 316. Number three. Number three. It is Az-Zajjajiyu. Az-Zajjajiyu. The first one was Az-Zajjaj, and this one is Az-Zajjajiyu. Abu Al-Qasim, Abdul Rahman ibn Ishaq. He had from, and he took knowledge from, Ibn Sarraj that we just spoke about. Ibn Sarraj that we just spoke about. Zajaji, he took knowledge from him. And he also took knowledge from and stayed very close to Abu Ishaq ibn al-Sirri, al-Zajjaj, the first imam that we mentioned. He stayed with him. And he has many books. From them is Al-Idah al-Kafi, and a kitab called Al-Amali. And he died in the year 337. The fourth imam is Ibn Darastawayhi. Ibn Darastawayhi. Ibn Darastawayhi. Abu Muhammad Abdullah ibn Ja'far ibn Darastawayhi al-Farisi. He grew up in Persia, Faris, but he came to Baghdad very young age. And he took from Al-Mubarrid, Imam Ahl al-Basra, and they say that he also took knowledge from Ta'lab, and Ibn Qutayba. But they said that he was shadeed ta'assub lil madhab al-Basri. He was extremely fanatic, extremely fanatic to the Basri madhab. Extremely. Extremely. And from the books that he wrote is Asrar al-Nahu, The Secrets in Grammar. And he also wrote another book called Al-Raddu Al-Raddu ala Sa'lab fi ikhtilaf al-Nahuyim. He refuted Sa'lab, Imam Ahl Kufa. And he also has another great book called Akhbaru al-Nahuyin. Akhbaru al-Nahuyin. The fifth imam was As-Sirafi. 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 Abu Sa'id al-Hassan ibn Abdullah al-Sirafi. Who came to Baghdad and he stayed there he even became a qadi, a judge. He took knowledge from Ibn Sarraj that we mentioned. He took knowledge from him. And he, had, he has many great books in grammar. From them is 
He has a kitab called Sharh Kitab Sibawai. His explanation of the book of Sibawai is from one of the great explanations. He explained it. And he also has a book called Kitab Akhbar al Basriin or Al Kufiin, where he talks about the stories of the Basriin and the Kufiin. The sixth Imam is Al Farisi, Abu Ali al Hassan ibn Ahmadin, Abu Ahmad Ali ibn al Hassan ibn Ahmad. Al-Farisi He came to Baghdad And he took from Al-Zajjaj Who did he take from? He took from Abu Ishaq ibn Sirri Al-Zajjaj He took from him He also took from Ibn Sarraj He took also from who? He took from Ibn Sarraj And other than them His name became well known in the Arab world and the Muslim world. He became very well known. The leaders started to know who he was. The leaders, they knew who he was. And he was a welcomed person when he came. Many people showed him enmity and hate and his story is long. He has a book called Al-Idah, Al-Takmila, Al-Tadkira, Al-Masail. Al-Halabiyya, Al-Masail al-Baghdadiyya, Al-Masail al-Shiraziyya And he died in year 377 Rahimahullah Those are the six Imams Who we can say they took from the scholars of Basra And there was in them There was in them Asabiyya Al-Naz'atul Basriya They were fanatic towards the scholars of Basra now we're going to move on to Man talaqa anil kufiyin Those who took from the kufiyin And there was also them, in them is An naz'atul kufiyya They were slightly fanatic to the people of Kufa The first one is Ibn al-Anbari Ibn al-Anbari His name is Abu Bakr Muhammad ibn al-Qasim Al-Anbariyu Ibn al-Anbari He is the first imam who took from the people of Kufa and in him was an Naz'atul Basriya. was a bit fanatic to the people of Basra. He died in year 327. The second was Ibn Khalawih, Abu Abdullah al-Hassan ibn Ahmed. He grew up in Hamdan and then he came to Baghdad. Ibn Khalawih took knowledge from who? Ibn al-Anbari He took from Abu Bakr ibn Muhammad Abu Bakr ibn Muhammad ibn al-Qasim al-Anbari He took knowledge from the one that we just mentioned Ibn al-Khalawi took from the previous one we just mentioned He also did take from al-Sayrafi Al-Sayrafi That we mentioned Abu Sa'id al-Hasad Al-Hasad ibn Abdillahi al-Sayrafi The Imam that I said that he has one of the greatest explanations on the book of Sibawi, Al-Kitab. And he also has a book called Akhbarul Basirin wal Kufiyin, Al-Sayrafi has. He defended Tha'lab. Because I told you many people try to refute Tha'lab, right? From the Imatul Kufa. Who remembers one of the people who refuted Tha'lab? As the judge did. 
as the judge Abu Ishaq ibn Sirri did he not refute as, uh, the imam of the people of Kufa Ta'lab Ibn Khalawihi defended him from the criticism and the refutation that was placed on the imam of Kufa so he refuted the judge and he refuted his i'tiradat his i'tiradat the arguments and the points that he brought forward against the book Al-Fasih he defended his imam and what's shocking is that he has a book where he just talks about the word Laysa in the Arabic language the word Laysa and its usage and things related to it the book is only about what? only about Laysa are you with me brothers? he died in Halab when the year was 300 and 370 those are the only two imams from who had the fanaticism towards Kufa so you can see that the fanaticism is more towards who why because they're the pioneers in grammar so they're always more in number remember the more imams are from the Arabic language are from Basra because they're the forefathers. And many other reasons that you're going to see soon, inshaAllah ta'ala. The third party is those who were, they were not, they were unbiased. Okay? They followed whoever was right. Okay? Whoever they believed was right, and they believed the evidence and the proof was aiding them whatever madhab it was they didn't care they went with it so they heard from both parties their arguments and they went with the truth where it was that's the third party and there are three that I'm going to mention the first one is the great famous imam everyone knows this imam Ibn Qutaybah al-Daynuri rahimahullah who died in year 276 Abu Abdullahi, Abu Muhammad Abdullahi, Abdullahi ibn Muslim ibn Qutaybah al-Daynuri, rahimahullah. He's very, very well known. Rahimahullah ta'ala. <coughs> he died in year 276. The second imam is Ibn Kaysan. Abu al-Hassan, Muhammad ibn Ahmed, ibn Ibrahim ibn Kaysan. He took from Sa'lab and he took from Al-Mubarrid. But he went with who he believed was right. Sometimes he strengthened the views of Al-Mubarrid and sometimes he strengthened the views of Sa'lab. And he has good books. From the books that he has is Al-Mukhtaru fi Ilal Nahu. And he also has Al-Masailu ala Madhabi Al-Nahuiyina min makhtalafa fi al-Basriyuna wal-Kufiyun. He died in year 299. The year 299. The last and final one was Al-Akhfash al-Saghir. Al-Akhfash. Al-Akhfash al-Saghir. Al-Akhfash al-Saghir, his name is Abu al-Hasan Ali ibn Sulaiman. And we mentioned the Akhfash with how many? Three. One was what? 
Al-Kabir, the, big, the senior one, which was who? The teacher of Sibawayhi. And Al-Akhfash Al-Awsat was what? The student of Sibawayhi. Are we all together? And the third one we said was what? This one, Al-Akhfash Al-Saghir. And he was the student of who? Al-Mubarrid. Remember that with him. He took from Al-Mubarrid, Rahimahullah, but his allegiance was, was, was with whoever the truth was with. Al-Akhfash Al-Saghir, whoever he believed was right and the evidence was with, he strengthened him. These are the three ways in which there were strengthening and the favoring of the Madhab al-Basrina from the Madhab al-Kufiyyin. The scholars of Baghdad, they were of those three ways. Are we all together? And it's beneficial that when you read who said what and what party is he from. Sahih? Because love does blind you, right? When you love a particular individual or you love a particular madhab, sometimes you are bound to just take what is right and what is wrong. But if it comes from the third group, what does it have? It has a balance and, and it seems that those people are going to speak with an unbiased approach. This is all as you can see the fourth century of Islamic calendar, the fourth century. And as you all know, the fourth century was when weakness started to hit the Dawlatul Abbasiyah, right? Weakness was coming to it. And the capital was where? Baghdad. So the Abbasi Khilafah was facing at this moment weakness. Okay, it was facing what? Weakness. There was happening in Baghdad, idrabat, Problems and issues that were happening. So, it caused the people, because of the Khilafah going, and the capital, the majority of the times when the people are there, they're there because it's the what? It's the best and the safest place to be. Because the Khilafah order is there. We're now going to move on to the second part that we want to talk about, which is Al-Khilaf. And we're going to spend a lot of time here, inshaAllah ta'ala, which is Al-Khilafu bayna al-Basriyin wal-Kufiyin. Man What brought about the conflict of the Basriyin and the Kufiyin? Why did they have this conflict? We're going to talk about that and we're also going to be speaking about what effects did it have in grammar. Okay, and what effects did it have? First of all, let me repeat the Arabic grammar, the principles in grammar that we're studying. Are we all together, brothers? That the mubtada is marfu' and the khabar is marfu'. These are, these are principles, صح? And like for example, 
in the Arabic grammar you say only three things are majrur. Only three things. In grammar you're never going to hear anything else that has jar in it other than these three. The first one is Ism majrur. And the second one is Al-Idafa. And the third one is Al-Tawabi'ah. The Tawabi'ah. The Tawabi'ah which is Al-Badal, Al-Na'at, Al-Tawqeed. These are the Tawabi'ah, right? Pay attention here. Where did you get that from? That's a Qa'idah. You've restricted only to three. These Qawa'id, you need to know and matters related to that both parties, the Basriyeen and the Kufiyeen, both of them, their principles in grammar is based upon al-sama' and al-qiyas. We said al-sama' means anomaly and al-qiyas is analogy. The scholars, they say, it means مَا ثَبَتَ We're going to go in more details now. السَّمَاعَ means مَا ثَبَتَ فِي كَلَامِ مَنْ يُوثَقُ بِفَصَاحَتِهِ Sama' is the statement of any individual who's reliable in his eloquence. Such as Allah Azza wa Jalla. The Qur'an, we take it. And Allah Taala is the most eloquent. This Qur'an, nothing is like it. The Qur'an is, the, is a living miracle. It's a living miracle against all nations and all people. Come with the likes of the Qur'an. So, the speech of Allah... وَكَلَامَ رَسُولِهِ And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The messenger is eloquent in his speech Salawatu Allahi wa sallamuhu alayhi And وَكَلَامُ الْعَرَبِ The statements of the Arabs قَبْلَ بِعْثَتِي Before Nabi Allah Muhammad came وَفِي زَمَنِي And also at the time of the messenger Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Are we all together brothers? This is considered what? And some scholars they say, وَبَعْدَهُ and after the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم إِلَىٰ أَنْفَسَدَتْ إِلَىٰ أَنْفَسَدَتْ لِسَانُ الْعَرَبِ أَلْسِنَةُ الْعَرَبِ And until the Arabic language got altered and it got... No problem, carry on. But the strongest is, after the Prophet's death, no. You cannot use Arabic poetry that came after the Prophet by someone who came after the Prophet. It either has to be at the Prophet's time or before the Prophet's time. Are we all together, brothers? That's what Sama' means. That's what Sama' means. The second one is Al-Qiyas analogy. Qiyas means Hamlu ghayril manqul Alal manqul Analogy is You apply A ruling in a particular situation From something that it resembles That you saw You saw something that the Arab said 
and you use it for something that is similar to it. Does that make sense? Just like we say, drugs, is it haram? You're going to say yes. But the Prophet ﷺ is drugs that wasn't powder or wasn't injection. He didn't see that, salawatullahi wa salamu But the Prophet saw alcohol. So you're going to say that the drugs is haram based on the out. This is an analogy, it's qiyas. You're taking something that its ruling was mentioned for something that its ruling wasn't mentioned because, some of, because of that which it has in common, they resemble. That is qiyas analogy. Am I making sense here? Okay. If that's the case, and, you be, and, we, and we say that both parties, the Basriyeen and the Kufiyeen, their principles, their qawaid, was built upon as-sama' anomaly, and it was built upon al-qiyas analogy. Then why did they differ? It's a good question, right? If both of them was as-sama' wal al-qiyas, here we're gonna learn. We're going to take the Basriyin and their approach when it came to these two. The Basriyin, the scholars of Basra, three points, three things. They put in place which made them different from the Basriyin. So whatever I mentioned for the Basriyin, the total opposite is for the Kufiyin. Are we all together brothers? When it came to these two, the Basriyin, they placed three conditions on the table. The Basriyin, those three conditions that they placed, the Kufiyin went on the opposite of those three. Are we all together? Does this make sense? Let's go through it inshallah ta'ala. The first thing is, the Basriyin, they took what was known as Maslaku Tahafud wa Tahri. The Basriyin, when it came to poetry, because Sama' is based on what? What was taken from the Arabs? Huh? What was taken from the what? Arabs. They believed at tahari wa tanqib. Oh no, we just we can't just accept them. No, 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 no. The Basriyin was saying we need to verify them, check them. We need to know that they are reliable people. Their integrity is important for us. Their adala. Is important for us. And that this person is safe from asserting. Because he could lie and he could say, Imru Qais said, Imru Qais is before Islam, whose Arabic is used. He could be a liar and just make a line of poetry and make it from the top of his head and then say, Imru Qais said. Are we all together? So the Basriyin, they say the first condition is the person who's saying it has to be reliable to us. The Kufiyin, they, they said that doesn't matter. This is not hadith. This is not? It's not hadith. Are we all together? 
Number two, the scholars of Basra, they conditioned shuyu'iha wa kathratiha hatta tatma'inna nufusum. It has to be something that spread. This line of poetry, for example, cannot be something that's heard by a small number of people. It has to be something that is well known by everybody. It has to be something that it came through multitude narration. Many people have heard it. Are we all together? And remember, this is a condition for the sama', the anomaly, but that doesn't mean it's not going to apply to the qiyas because the anomaly, the sama', is the base and the qiyas is taken from that. Are we all together, brothers? So if they're very tough on what they heard, what is going to be the qiyas? The qiyas is going to be very little. And if the qiyas is very little, then the qawaid in general in grammar is going to be what? Less. Are we all together? The qawaid in grammar is going to be what? It's going to be less. And that is the case. Qawaid al-Nahu, according to the Basriyin, is little compared to the Kufiyin. Because the Kufiyin, they accept. Are we all together? Easily, they accept the whatever the Arabs say. They will accept it without verification of the people who said it. And they will also accept it based on what? Without it having to be multitude. They don't care about that. Even if it's one person who transmitted it. Even if it's half a poetry, half a line. Kufiyin will accept it. Are we all together? Number three. Number three. The scholars of Basra, they said... We only accept a people who are known for eloquency. Ah. The first, one is person, first one condition was the person was reliable. The second one, it was transmitted in large number. And this is a well-known poetry. And the third, which is... This has been transmitted to us from people who are eloquent in the Arabic language. As the English say... He can sell a sand to an Arab. Have you guys heard of that before? That phrase. This man is so eloquent, he can sell a sand to an Arab. An Arab, you, his whole country is a sand. To be, to be so eloquent, to sell a sand to an Arab, means you're silver-tongued. Huh? Is it, is it, and I had another phrase, which is selling ice to an igloo. Yeah? Yeah, so it's, it's whatever a person doesn't need, if you sell it to him, then you're eloquent, sah? This is the condition of the Basirin. He has to be what? He has to be from the Alil Fusaha'i, the eloquent, Al Mawthuqu bi Arabiyatihim, whose Arabic language is reliable. And they chose three tribes. The Basirin, they restricted it and they narrowed it down mainly to three tribes. Who are they? Number one. Qais. The people of Qais, they said they're very good in the Arabic and their Arabic language is very strong and it's rooted and it's Qais. And the second one is Tamim. Tamim. And the third one is Asad. Three Qabil. Qais. And Tamim. And Asad. 
these three tribes, they said, we'll take them. And they rejected other tribes from the Arabs. They said, we won't take them. Like Lakhm and Judam. They said, we won't take them. The reason why we will not take them is because they resided and they were neighbors with the people of Egypt who were Arabic was weakened. Because they neighbored with the Romans. And Bakr and Taglab. Oh, sorry, Taglab. Bakr and Taglib, two Arab tribes, they also said we don't accept it from them because they resided, neighbored with the Persians. Furs. Those people who don't accept the Arabic. So what you can see is that the Basrin are tough when it comes to acceptance. The Kufiyin they are on the total opposite. They are what? They are ala al-aksim al-maslaki al-basriyin. Total opposite. On the total different side. Whatever these ones rejected, they accepted. Are we all together? So that means I have explained to you the both parties what they are. You have the itijahul basriyin and you have the itijahul kufiyin. Both parties. I've explained it to you. Question here is The Basriyin What do they do If it comes to them A poetry From an Arab Who's eloquent But it hasn't reached a large number But it reaches them What do they do with it How do they deal with it What steps do they take The scholars of what The scholars of Basra How do they deal with whatever goes against their conditions Whatever went against those conditions that we mentioned From The masmu' The sama' The anomaly that reaches them what do they, How do they deal with it? They deal with it within the following ways Number one Number one This is very important You need to write this Number one أَنْ يُؤَوِّلُوهُ تَأْوِيلًا يَتَّفِقُوا مَعَ الْقَاعِدَةِ الَّتِي وَضَعُوهَا The Basriyin they say first of all there was a principle that was there for us already. Okay? If this number, this, for example, a poetry came, it's literally number, it doesn't meet their conditions. If this is in accordance to a previous principle that was there, built on all the conditions that they already set, then they will accept it. Because it's going in line with what they were saying. But if it doesn't go according to that principle, it goes against it. But it's said by, for example, a poet from the great poets of the Arabs. Okay? What do they do? They, they give it an interpretation. What do they do? They give it an interpretation. An interpretation that will push this poetry to go in line with their principles that they set. Are we all together? The principle is more stronger now than whatever's coming. Does that make sense? Whereas the Kufiyin, if they have a principle and a poetry comes and it's small in number, what do they do? They accept it as well on board, take it on board. The Basriyin, they reject it because they say we have a principle that met all of our conditions and this doesn't meet our conditions. So they first of all try to give it an interpretation. 
What do they do? They try to give it an interpretation. As they did with the ayah. The second one is They will say the reason why this poetry is like this is The Arabs they have something known as which is a person will do something in a poetry in which he wouldn't do outside the poetry because the poetry forces you because you're trying to look after the rhythm and we all together you will say something in a particular way. Are we all together, brothers? And so the Basriyin, they will say, when they see that, this is a darura shi'riya. The person said this because they were forced and binded by the, the qafiyah of the poetry. They were trying to observe the rhythm of the poetry. So they'll push it towards that. Shi'riya, they'll say that. That's what it is. If they can't do the first one, if they can't do the first one, they try to do the second. Or what they do is number three, and yunkiruhu, they reject it in totality. They reject it in totality and they don't accept it. And they don't give a reason why. They just reject it. They say, this is mardud in Dana. It's rejected according to us. They can't do the. Or the fourth thing that they try to do is, and ya'tabiruhu shazan. They will say this is shad. Shad means it's strange. It's a fringe. It's a, it's a small people who hold this. Very weak. Small. It's shad. It opposes the overwhelming majority and it goes against what the asal is. This is shad. That's what they will say. And they say shad and yuhfat. You can memorize it if you want. But don't do analogy from it. Don't try to bring a principle out of it. Just memorize it and keep it on your tongue if you want to. But don't use, don't do qiyas analogy on it. And don't, and do not make a principle out of it. When it came to the ayah, because of this staunch position, the Basriyeen, they rejected even some of the qiraat which reached us through multitude narration because they didn't see it. Like for example, the qiraat of Hamza ibn Zayyat when it came to the ayah of Allah وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامِ It's وَالْأَرْحَامَ and وَالْأَرْحَامِ The qiraat of Hamza Zayyat, who's from the, he is from the Ahadul Qurra is Sab'a. The Basri, they rejected it. They rejected it. And they chose not to take it. Walidalik Ibn Malik in his Alfiyah, he says, وَعُودُ خَافِذِ اللَّدَ عَطْفٍ عَلَى ضَمِيرِ خَفْضٍ لَازِمًا قَدْ جُعِلًا وَلَيْسَ عِنْدِ لَازِمًا إِذْ قَدْ أَتَى فِي النَّظْمِ وَالنَّثْرِ الصَّحِيحِ مُثْبَتَى Ibn Malik is a Basri, you know that, right? A great grammarian. Ibn Malik in he didn't accept this from the Basriyin. And he considered this to be from the what? From their staunch harshness. Because it's a qira'a mutawatira. From the one of the qira'at that we read in the Quran. Walidharika Suyuti has a kitab called Al-Iqtirah. And he refutes them as well in this issue. Now, 
But the Kufiyin, they were the total opposite. They were soft, they were accepting. And the scholars, they mentioned the reason why the Kufiyin were like that is because the Basriyin, they had the choice. Basra was in a better location than Kufa. Geographically, Basra had Arab al-Aqha, Arabs, whose language was pure. It was not tainted. The Basriyin had those type of scholars. And so they could avoid other people's poetries. So they used to, they had, what, they had the gems. Like in the Kufiyin, they were strategically located in a geographic Geographical situation Geographical land Which was not allowing them Which wasn't allowing them To be able to reach Arab al-Aqha And so that would have caused them To never be able to speak about some issues And so in order to catch up with the Basriyin In order to what? In order to catch up with the Basriyin What were they doing? They were taking a lot they had to do a lot. They had to do a lot of homework. They had to accept a lot. And not to mention that they came late, a hundred years later. And so they're already behind. And where they are is not close to where the Arabs are. And so they accepted that a lot. So their position when it came to the qiraat of the Qur'an was more accepting. And they took it a lot. I want to now talk about a point before I go into the cause of their differences and what effects that it had, I want to talk about what were the position of both parties, the Basriyin and the Kufiyin, when it came to the hadiths of the Prophet ﷺ, to use it grammatically. What was the position of the Basriyin and the Kufiyin when it came to accepting what? The prophetic tradition, the hadiths. To use it as a grammatical To use it as gra- grammatical rulings The Jumhurul Basriyin The overwhelming majority of the Basriyin And the overwhelming majority of the Kufiyin They didn't accept The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ To be used as grammatical rulings They didn't allow it The reason is because they said that we're not sure that these are word for word what the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the reason why we're not sure that the Prophet said this, they said there are two reasons. Two reasons is why we are not sure that the Prophet said this word for word. Number one, the scholars of hadith, they permit to transmit the hadith bil ma'na in meaning. Riwayat al-Hadith bil-ma'na The narrating and the transmission of hadith Based on meaning And not based on wording Meaning If somebody told you something and they, go, they said to you Tell so and so To meet me at this particular place At this time Would you go there And would you convey the message Word for word Or would you convey the The meaning what The intent that the person was trying to Was trying to convey Right so the scholars of hadith 
They permit what is known as narrating hadith based on meaning. But remember, there's conditions that they stipulate. There are very strong conditions that they stipulate. Are we all together? You know, conditions. So they said that this is our first reason why we're not sure. Why we're not. Why we're not sure that this is the wording of the Prophet. Number two is. Many hadith that were narrated A lot of hadith that were narrated There were grammatical mistakes that were in it And the Prophet wouldn't have spoken like this Some of the people who were transmitting it Because they were not masters in the grammar And they didn't study the Arabic grammar properly When they narrated it based on meaning What did they do? They spoke grammatically wrong so this caused the scholars of the Arabic language not to use the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ on what? A grammar rule. They didn't accept it. Well, I have a, a risala written by Sheikh Muhammad al-Khudir al-Khidr. And he's a great imam. Rahimahullah rahmatan It's a powerful risala. He wrote to al-Majma' al-Lughawi. He wrote to the faculty of the Arabic language the days of his studies he mentions the scholars his research is on the scholars who prohibited using the hadith as evidence for grammar and those who permitted it those who prohibited it and those who permitted it he discusses each party's evidence and he said something very powerful that I have to transmit for you he said even though there are the overwhelming grammarians don't accept the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ for grammatical rulings. He said that the following ones, there is no dispute that it can be used. Are we all together? The following ones that I'm going to mention, they can be used as a grammatical ruling. Number one. He mentions many, but I'm just going to mention some of them. Number one is... The ahadith that have come and the wording we have to worship Allah based on it, such as the atahiyat, atahiyatu lillahi that we read in the salah. This is the hadith of the Prophet, but the word is ibadah because you have to do it in your salah, right? And the qunut that we do, and the adkar and the ad'iyah that came from the Prophet. They are the Prophet's wordings. Are we all together, brothers? Those wordings cannot be changed. And no one narrated, no one was accepted from him, to narrate those hadiths based on meaning. And evidence for that is because when the noble companion Ubay was with the Messenger وسلم, and he changed the hadith from the statement of arsalta, He said arsalta. He just changed Nabi from Rasul صح? What did the Prophet say to him? The Prophet said Even though the Nabi Muhammad is a Nabi ana Rasul But the word is verbatim Like this, leave it, don't change it Even Nabi and Rasul don't change it Are we all together? Those ahadith that came as azkar and the dua, they are 
verbatim. This is exactly what the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Are we all together, brothers? Word for word, this is what the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. From those ahadiths that we accept, he mentioned is, the ahadiths that came from scholars who were good in grammar, who were a'imma in the language, they knew the Arabic language very well, and they were not known to be nurtured in an environment or in a land where the Arabic got tainted, such as Imam Malik ibn Anas and Imam Shafi'i, the narrations that they narrate is accepted as an Arabic proof. Is accepted as far as an Arabic proof. Also, the ahadith that are accepted to be used as Arabic ruling are ahadith that were transmitted from scholars who did not believe the permissibility of narrating hadith based on meaning. There were some scholars who didn't allow it. They didn't allow hadith to be based, to, narrate, be, to be narrated on what? On meaning. They wanted the word for word what the Prophet said. And from them was Ibn Sirin, Muhammad Ibn Sirin, and Al-Qasim Ibn Muhammad, and also Raja Ibn Haywa, and many others. You can research them, inshallah ta'ala, who they are. I now want to go into the mansha, the root cause for the differences of the Basirin and the Kufiyin. The root cause. What was the root cause? I want to talk about that, inshallah ta'ala. The root cause, inshallah ta'ala, that I'm going to mention are many, but I'm only going to mention two. I'm only going to mention two. Number one. Their political inclination. Their political inclination did bring about khilaf and differences. What do I mean by that? The scholars of Basra, they were more inclined to the Umayyin. Anyone who's read the history will know the conflict between the Umayyin and the Basriyin. So the Abbasiyin, sorry. The Umayyin and the what? And the Abbasiyin. The Basris were more inclined to who? They were in, more inclined to the, the Umawi. Are we all together? Does that make sense? They were more inclined to the Umawis. Because the Basriyin, the overwhelming majority of the Mu'ahl Sunnah. Are we all together? Or oh, they were Sunnis. Like in the Kufiyin, they had inclination to the Abbasiyin. Then the Abbasiyin were. They had in them the Shi'ism, Shi'a, Tashayyur. The people of Kufa had more Tashayyur. A lot of the grammarians, they had Tashayyur in them. All together. So their political. Their political what? political inclination caused khilaf walidhalika pay attention a lot of the times when you see differences between the Basrin and the Kufiyin it does stem from an aqidah difference always remember that the aqidah is more clearer and better with the Basriyin we're all together brothers and the people of Kufa a lot of the times their Grammatical ruling is based upon what? 
is based upon is based upon aqidah issue or evil aqidah in the Khufiyin. Number two, the second reason why there was differences between the two and their difference in methodology and their difference in approach was because that atmosphere and the land in which they both lived in. The landscape. The people of Basra, as I mentioned before, they lived in a landscape, they lived in a place which they had the chance to meet more of the Arabs. Their land allowed that for them. So we were together. So they met Arabul Aqhah. Arabs who were Quh. Quh means what? Pure. It was clean. No taint was in it. They had that. That's the opportunity that they had. Walidarika, close to Basra is a place called Mirbad. Mirbad was very close to Basra. It was three miles distance from Basra. And this place, Mirbad, was like a big market that the Arabs made that resembled the Aswaqul Jahiliya, that resembled the pre-Islamic markets that used to be like Uqadha and Majanna, right? Uqadha and Majanna were pre-Islamic markets that the Arabs used to have. And what did they used to do in Uqadha and Majanna? They used to go there and read their poetry. Mirbad was three amyal from Basra. Very close to Basra. Are we all together? Where the Arabs would come and they would read their poetries and they would have halaqatul inshadi wal mufakhara. They would talk about their lineages and etc. which would benefit, which would help. And they would mention mulahul akhbar, historical events that would allow the Basriyin to sit down and to just listen. Are we all together? It will allow them to do that. And then would allow them to build strong qawa'idun nahu, strong grammatical rulings. Like in the people of Kufa didn't have this. The people of Kufa, they lived a place far from all of that. They didn't find that. And so, but the rage in their hearts, the Basri, the Kufiyin, didn't allow them to what? It didn't allow them to what? It didn't allow them to want to take from the people of Basra. So they just wanted to take from anybody else other than the Basriyin. Now I'm going to conclude with the final point, inshallah ta'ala, which is Atharul Ikhtilaf. I'm going to mention Atharul Khilaf, the reason why the Ikhtilaf and the differences came about. Uh, sorry, the, the, sorry, the effects that it had, the results. The outcome that these differences had and the results that it led to. It led to the following. Number one, Kathratul Aqisa wal Qawaid indal Kufiyin. The Kufiyin, they had more analogy and more grammatical rulings and principles. Because what they did was they accepted every what? 
anomaly that came to them. Every sama, every masmu'at, they accepted it. They didn't give any problem to it. They accepted it all. And so because of that, they had more than the Basriyeen. This is what it resulted to. Number two. The Kufiyin, they respected more. The Kufiyin, they respected more. And they also transmitted more textual statements of the Arabs. They transmitted more of the Arabic to us, the poetry, than the Kufi Basriyin did. So with Basriyin, they rejected a lot. And so a lot of the poetry, we would not have got it if the Kufiyin were not lenient. It reached us because of them. These are the two main things that happened or the outcome that came. That the Kufiyin, they had what? More analogies and more principles than the Basriyin. Also, the Basriyin, sorry, the Kufiyin, they honored, they respected. And they transmitted more of what the Arabs said than the Basriyin. The Basriyin didn't respect a lot of the Arabs' words. They disregarded it. They dismissed it. And this was not something positive in their regard. That's inshallah ta'ala what I'm going to conclude with bi-idhnillah al-kareem. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and shaitan and Allah and his messenger are free from it. Subhanak Allahumma bihamdik ashadu an la ilaha illallah astaghfiruk wa atubu ilayh. Inshallah ta'ala next lesson is going to be our last lesson on grammar. We just have one lesson. We're going to go through the Arabic. Last lesson for the Arabic grammar where we will talk about mashahiru ulama'i al-muta'akhirin. We're going to speak about a summarized biography of the most well-known grammarians that you will see and you will hear about when you study their works and their books. So I'm going to talk about who they are in a very summarized manner, inshallah ta'ala, bi-idhnillah al-kareem. And we will then be finished with the Arabic grammar, inshallah ta'ala. Anyone have any questions? Fadal. Jazakallah khairan. Naam. Mainly Kufiyin and the Basriyin are the two madhabs that are there. Like in the Baghdadi is just a tarjih, strengthening one from the other. It's not a madhab mustaqil. It's not a madhab that stands by itself. Okay? What is it? It's a madhab that strengthens from the Basri and the Kufi. نعم
You see, the people of Mecca and Medina, they gave a lot of importance to the athar of the Prophet, meaning the Sunnah and the Hadith. That's what they were doing. And they didn't have the problems that the other lands had because the Arabs were still here. But the other people of different lands, they found problems because they saw every day different language, means the Arabic being watered down. Like in, in Mecca and Medina, Khasrat and Medina, the Arabic language was still good. No one was there speaking other than the Arabs, the overwhelming majority was them. And if a non-Arab spoke, then he got forced to speak correctly because all of the Arabs were correcting him. Like in that land was conquered and it was opened after the Messenger And so it became a land where the Arabs traveled to. And so when they came, they were just marrying based on Inna Akramakum, Indallahi Atqaakum. And they, the marriages and the interracial marriages was causing the Arabs to see that the language was changing that's the reason why you find Hijaz they focused more on protecting the Hadith and the understanding of the Quran and the Sunnah No, I can't remember right now. That would have been good if I brought it. That would have been good if I did bring it. I forgot it. No, no, I, I, I don't have no examples. I can't remember what I nothing right now. They were Arabs from... The Arabs are two types. Arab al-Ariba and Arab al-Musta'ariba. They were Arab, Al-Ariba, pure Arabs who came from Yemen, majority of them. I think all three of them are Yemen. <coughs> Naam. Naam, Fadal. Yeah, it did. You see, <clears throat> the early scholars, pay attention, the early scholars, they all, mashallah, because the, still the sunnah and the people of the sunnah were still alive, a lot of the times you don't have problems. Like Al-Asma'i, for example, uh, Abu Amr ibn Ala, mathalan, like when, when, they, when the man said to Abu Amr ibn Ala, when he came to the ayah, Al-Rahmanu ala al-Arsh istawa, he said to him, istawla. And then Abu Amr ibn Ala said, Ar Arabu la ya'arifuna dalik. The Arabs don't know this. Arabs don't like. Arabs don't know the word istawa to mean istawla. That's not what the Arabs know it as. Are we all together? So even though there were coming terms that were said, this is what it means in the language. This was causing, this was causing the scholars who study the language to say, no, we, we, we don't know this. Where did it come from? Are we all together? Early scholars were, were correcting all of these issues. 
Al-Asma'i, for example, Abdul Malik ibn Qurayb, Al-Imam al-Shafi'i, for example, scholars, they defended, their, some of them defended the deen just because of the language. And if you look at many places in the Qur'an, those arguments were used. For example, Allah, the term Allah, is it mushtaq, is it rooted from a word? Allah, is it rooted from something? The scholars of Basra, they say, Naam, aliha, ya'lahu ma'luh. It's rooted from that word. Aliha, ya'lahu ma'luh. The people of Kufa said, no. Are we all together? This is a madh aqidah related issue. We're all together? Whether it's mushtaq or not. Some people say, and they don't understand, they'll say to you, oh, there's two madhabs in this issue, the Basri and the Kufiin, and the Basriin see it like this, and the Kufiin see it, and they move on. But really don't understand that the Basriin here are right, and the Aqidah supports them in this issue. The Kufiin are wrong, because there's an Aqidah problem here. Does that make sense? But idhalika, inshaAllah ta'ala, when you study especially grammar books, are we all together? When you study? Grammar books. You're going to learn a lot of grammatical problems like that. You're going to learn that. You're going to see the grammarians. Like for example, the word kalam. Like what is a kalam? What does kalam actually mean? We're all together. Because a lot of the grammarians became affected by the Ash'ari belief, they started to believe that kalam is whatever in, whatever in you. As they use the line of poetry, إِنَّ الْكَلَامَ لَفِي الْفُؤَادِ وَإِنَّمَا جُعِلَ اللِّسَانُ لِمَا فِي الْفُؤَادِ دَلِيلًا The kalam, it's, it's what's within you. And the tongue is only an evidence to just bring out what's already. It's already a kalam even if you don't say it. That's a problem. Do you not see that as a problem? It is a problem because that's what's... You know what it's going to say? Number one, the problem it's going to say is that the Qur'an then, Allah didn't speak it. So how did we get it? Are we all together? So the first lesson that you take in grammar and you take the word kalam and that's the first thing that you start with, this is said to you? Are we all together? So the, a lot of the grammarians, brothers, you're going to find a lot of issues with them. A lot of aqidah related issues. And that's why it's good when you study it. You study it with a person of sound aqidah. Um, I have a volume book. I think it's a Risalat, Magister or Doctorat. I don't, have the, I don't remember the name. Um, four or five years ago was when I read it. But what he does is, he brings, it's a thick book, this thick. Six, seven hundred pages. Where he brings aqi, grammar, differences between the Basri and the Kufiin, and it's an aqidah related issue. Has an aqidah effect. That people are just regurgitating and they say the Basriin believe this and the Kufiin believe this and whatnot. And he proves this. This issue is, stems from an aqidah problem. And the reason why they came to this conclusion and why they came to this conclusion. And it's a problem because once you accept this principle as a grammatical ruling, then when it comes to your aqidah later, somebody can trap you. And we'll together. What can they do? Remember we studied La ilaha illallah, right? What did we study? La ilaha illallah. 
some of you, when I spoke about La ilaha illallah, some people, it was very hard to, for them to comprehend what I was saying. La ilaha illallah. Sah? Quickly, let me just mention something. The word la is a negation, right? What is it? It's a negation, right? Ilah is ismu la. It's the ism of la. It's the noun for la. Okay? Pay attention here. And remember the la in the Arabic language, we said it's how many types? It's two types. A type that, you, that resembles laysa and a type that resembles inna, right? The negation in the Arabic language is two types. Okay, صح? This one is weak in its negation. Because when you say لا رجل لا رجل قائما, no man, a, a, a man is not standing. What did I just negate? A man is not standing. But it means two or three or four can be standing, right? So that negation is not good. That's what Laysa does. Inna, on the other hand, it is powerful in its negation, meaning it negates one or two or three or four or five or six or seven. So the la in, uh, in la ilaha illallah, it resembles what? The strong in negation which is inna, right? But the scholars, they mention seven conditions for inna. One of the conditions is that the ism and the khabar are both what? They are indefinite. That's what Ibn Malik he said. It both have to be indefinite. Ilah is indefinite. It is. Because Ilah is anything that's worshipped. Are we all together, brothers? So it's indefinite. The idols is an Ilah. This is an Ilah. All of these are Ilah. Because Allah mentions it to be Ilah. Pay attention here. Where is the khabar? The khabar, some scholars, they said it's Allah. But if you make the khabar Allah, Allah is not nakira. So it can't meet the condition of being from what? Inna, right? It can't. Because Allah is a'raful ma'arif. Is the one, Allah is, Allah is known. Not, you can't say indefinite. Allah is known. It's Allah. So they said, okay, okay, okay. Okay, we take that back. Hey, it's still inna. We can't use any other negation other than inna. That it resembles inna, or else our negation is going to be weak. <coughs> so they said the khabar is mahdhuf, it's hidden. Both parties agree that it's hidden. Because there's no other way out of it. But what is hidden is the discussion now. You know, some people are going to say to you, what is hidden here is mawjud. That's the word that's missing from here. So you say, La ilaha mawjudun illallah. What does it mean then? It means. There is no ilah that exists except Allah Azza wa Jalla. That's a lie. There are other gods that exist other than Allah. Because Allah Taala said in the Quran, "فَمَا أَغْنَتْ عَنْهُمْ آلِهَتُهُمُ الَّتِي يَدْعُونَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ." Their ilah that they were worshiping did not benefit them. Allah referred to their what they were worshiping as what? Ilah. So when you say there's no ilah that exists, and Allah is saying their ilah, does that make sense? So the word mawjudun. Grammarians will throw that in there for you. What would they do? They will throw that in there for you. That's incorrect. Don't accept that. Accept what the Quran mentioned. What did the Quran mention? 
The word haq is what the Quran mentioned. Because Allah said in the Quran, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ So bring the word haq instead of mawjood. Say haq. So the khabar here is haq. Haq is indefinite. Of course it's indefinite. Because it can be Allah. It can be Jannah. It can be the Day of Judgment. It can be the Quran. Are we all together? It could be the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. All of them are haq, right? So the word haq is indefinite, right? But here in the context, is it indefinite? No, it's not because we know it means Allah specifically. But the condition wasn't what the context does to the word. It is that if the word itself is indefinite. So we did bring an indefinite word for the khabar and we brought ilah which was already indefinite. So we've fulfilled the condition and we haven't also destroyed the meaning that the aqidah is sahihah. Does that make sense? Am I making sense here? It's grammar plays a big role, brothers, in your aqidah. Wallahi, it does. And how your grammar and what you can say and what you can't say. Because when you bring the word mawjudun illallah, you are negating a concept that is, that's incorrect. Are we all together? And I'll leave it there, inshallah uh, ta'ala.